Acts chapter 28, verse number 1. When they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them upon the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when this native saw, when the native saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom through he had escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall over dead. But after they had looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bring clarity to your word. We pray, Lord, that your word would go forth in power and your word would go forth in boldness and we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone said, Amen. How many would agree with me that life sometimes is full of unexpected events? Would you agree with that? And I'm convinced that sometimes life has a way of just messing our plans up. You know, somebody said that life is like a carousel. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you go round and round. How many could testify to that this morning that life has a way of taking you round and round a few things. Sometimes life is not easy, is it? Life is a journey. Sometimes we focus so much on the destination of what we want out of life that if we're not careful, that we forget to learn along the way as we're on the journey. Now, isn't it interesting that when we get to wherever we want to go, that when we get there, we talk about what we learned before we got there. You see, it's not about the destination, so to speak. Success in life is about the journey and what you make of the journey. And sometimes we focus so much on getting there or getting that or accomplishing that that we forget that we can learn along the way. Because that's success. God is trying to teach us that I want you to learn as you go along the way. The children of Israel wanted to get to Canaan land, but they failed to realize something that God was trying to teach them during the 40 years in the wilderness. They didn't learn their lesson. It could have been an 11-day trip. They could have learned something along the way, but their focus was Canaan land. Their focus was the land flown with milk and honey. And God was saying, I'm trying to reprogram your thinking. I want you to learn something before you get to the destination. And that's the way we got to view life sometimes. If you are in a rush all the time, trying to get there and do that and figure that out, that we forget what we learn as we're on our way. And certainly this story this morning proposes that you can learn something along life's way. Do you know the story I read to you is a very popular story, a story that I'm sure you have heard of before. If you read the chapters before, chapter 28, it is a very familiar passage. You know, chapter 27, Paul told a bunch of 
companions, he said, listen, you should not get on this boat. Don't do it. And if you read chapter 27, they disobeyed him, and a storm came, and the Bible called it Eroclodon. A storm came, and the Bible says an angel came to Paul and said, listen, you're going to be saved, but your ship is going to be destroyed. Now we come to chapter 28. The ship is destroyed, nobody lost their life, and they ended up on an island called Malta. And they're here at this island with a bunch of natives they don't even know. They don't know these people. They've never seen these people. Paul and all of his companions that lost their ship in the sea, they survived the storm and they landed on an island with a bunch of people they're not familiar with. I'm so glad that when we disobey God and we do what we want to do, God still has mercy and grace on us. Can I hear an amen? If they would have listened to Paul and they would have listened to the Lord, they would have never got on the ship anyway and they would have never become shipwrecked. But they didn't listen to Paul. But God's grace and mercy preserved their life and now they find themselves on an island called Malta and, and Paul is cold, I assume. It's raining outside. So Paul, like a good man he is, a gentleman, goes over and gets some wood and he starts a fire and as he starts a fire, the scripture tells us a snake or a viper latches out and grabs a hold of his hand. Now you know the story. He shakes it off and it falls into the fire. You see, when I read this story this week, I, 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 this story was so power-packed with information that I thought to myself, I don't know if I could finish it in one sermon. So I'm going to try my best just to give you some things that I find in the story. It's interesting to me in verse number 1 that the Bible says in Acts 28 verse 1 when they escaped and found themselves on the island of Malta. Look at verse 1. Acts 28 verse 1. They're on this island. And the Bible says in verse number 2 all these people, these strange people, start to show unusual kindness to Paul and everybody that's with Paul. I want you to look at verse number 2 and I want you to see what they did. These natives... Or another word for natives is barbarians. These barbarians, these natives, these strange people, begin to show Paul uh, some unusual kindness. And as I begin to think about this church, it, it's, really, it's really fascinating to me that you have some natives or barbarians, or actually another translation, they're pagans. They don't worship the God of Israel. They don't know anything about Jesus. These are pagan people. These are, these, are, these are unregenerated people. These people don't know anything about God here. They're pagans. And Paul and his company is on an island, and these pagans, these natives, these barbarians, the Bible says in verse 2, begin to show un unusual kindness to Paul. Now, that's odd to me. You're, the Scripture is saying that these Sinners show unusual kindness to Paul. And I believe it's a sad day when the world can outdo us. Can, can I say that again? I think it's a sad day when the world can outdo us in kindness and love. If anything that this story teaches us is you should be able to show unusual kindness to people in everyday life. 
Don't leave it up to the world to show kindness to you. Don't leave it up to the world to show love to you. Don't leave it up to the world to show unusual kindness to you. Ladies and gentlemen, you should take the initiative and you should show unusual kindness to the world outside of these walls. Don't let the church be outdone by a bunch of barbarians. Don't let the church be outdone by a bunch of sinners. Don't let the church be outdone by a bunch of pagans. Let the church arise. Let the church arise and let them be empowered to do unusual kindness. When was the last time you showed unusual kindness to somebody? Jesus said when they ask you to go a mile, you should go two miles. When was the last time that in your spiritual growth and development, you went the extra mile and you showed unusual kindness to someone? You see, the point of the story is this. We're going to meet all kinds of people who are shipwrecked in life. Paul was shipwrecked. The people that he was with, they were shipwrecked. They found themselves on an island. And here strangers show them kindness. You see, the moral of the story is this. It is our responsibility to show unusual kindness to those who are shipwrecked in life. To those who have been shipwrecked by their faith. Shipwrecked by their family. Shipwrecked in their finances. Shipwrecked in their relationships. You have the ability to bring a little bit of love and light in their life by showing them unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. The Bible says... You go on and he's, they show him unusual kindness. And the Bible says in verse number 3, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. You see, Paul here is an apostle. He is, he, 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 he's the guy that had an angel show up to him at the previous chapter. And this is the same guy who don't have a problem getting down and serving the barbarians. He doesn't have a problem getting down and getting a fire started to warm his company and the natives. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Paul could have said, hold on, hold on. An angel showed up to me last chapter. Uh, the angel showed up to me last week and you know, I'm too good. I'm not going to bow down here and, and, and pick up a bunch of sticks. I'm an apostle. I, I had an angel show up to me. I'm God's anointed and favored. You know, I'm not going to bend down and get a couple of sticks. You see, Paul bent over and he picked up sticks to serve the natives and to serve his company by building a fire. You see, I'm convinced that a lot of stuff that you see on TV is what I call Hollywood holiness. We want, to, we want to be served, but it's hard for us to serve. And I would propose this. It's, it, you, could, you could say you serve, but do you have a heart of service? Are you involved? Do you serve other people? You see, Paul had a different spirit. He, he had a spirit who wanted to serve and he had a spirit that was willing to lay aside his title, to lay aside his prestige, to lay aside his calling, 
and understood that his calling was number one to serve other people. You see, we got self-seeking, serving people, and God is looking for a servant. You see, that is, that is promotion in God's kingdom. Promotion in God's kingdom is when you serve. And if you don't serve, you're not going to be promoted. And it's one thing to serve, but do you have a heart to serve? You see, Paul was picking up sticks, but he also understood that his calling was to stand before Caesar in Rome. You see, great people who stand before great people understand a principle, and that is they don't have a problem bending down and picking up some sticks. Paul is going to stand before Rome. He's going to stand before Caesar. He's going to stand before the emperor. But he didn't have a problem picking up sticks. If you have a problem picking up sticks, you're not a servant. If all you're concerned about is standing before Caesar in the limelight so Caesar can recognize you and you can't learn to pick up sticks before you get to Caesar, you'll never really be truly promoted in God's kingdom. Because promotion in God's kingdom is not perfection. Promotion in God's kingdom is progress. I'm going to say that again. Promotion in God's kingdom is not perfection. Promotion in God's kingdom is progress. Are you willing to pick up the sticks for someone? Are you willing or are you just concerned about standing before Caesar? Faithfulness in the small things lead to rulership in many things. Are you willing to be a servant in the small things? Are you willing to serve even though nobody recognizes you or calls you out and gives you an opportunity? Are you willing to have a servant's heart? You see, how do you know you have a servant's heart? When you can do something that seems insignificant and not get recognized and still have a heart of love and compassion, then you're doing it with the right heart. You're doing it with the right heart. You see, Paul knew how to pick up sticks, but he also knew how to stand before Caesar. And that's what I pray, church. Never minimize small tasks. You see, you don't have to pray about serving. Please, don't come to me and tell me you're praying to serve. Because that tells me you don't know how to read the Bible, number one. And it means that your spiritual level is not very high. It, you're not growing. Because you don't, have to, you don't have to pray about serving His church and serving the world. That is a cop-out saying that I'll think about it, but I really don't want to do it. As a Christian, you are called, come on somebody, to do away with a shopping cart and get a shovel and learn how to work in God's kingdom. When you sign up under the role of real commitment, you've got to learn it ain't about you. It's not about your titles. It's not about what you want. It's about God's kingdom and you are now a slave to righteousness and you are not a slave to yourself. You're not a slave to your titles. You're not a slave to your title. You are a slave to righteousness. And righteousness demands that you serve. Jesus gave us the greatest example. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to serve. He is the one that got down and washed His disciples' feet to give us an example that no matter what title you have, no matter how big you think you are, if you don't pick up the towel, you don't have permission to pick up the microphone. If you don't pick up the towel, 
Don't expect a microphone. Don't expect to stand before thousands if you don't know how to pick up a towel. Ooh, it's getting kind of quiet in here. Is this all right? Too many people want to stand before Caesar. They don't want to pick up sticks. The Holy Spirit compels you to pick up sticks. The Holy Spirit compels you to pick up the sticks. You see, the Bible says that Paul, as he was making the fire, so he's, he gets a bundle of sticks and he's making the fire, and as he's making the fire, guess what happens? A snake bites him. Now, can I tell you something? People who serve are the first people who get bit by other people. Can I say that again? People who serve are the first ones to get bit by other people. I'm going to say that again. People who serve are the first ones to get bit by other people. It is when he was serving. He's getting the sticks together. He's making the fire. And the very first thing that happens is he gets bit because people who serve are people who get bit first. People, people are like, oh, I just don't know why the churches treat me this way. I, I just don't understand because you're serving. You're going to get bit first because people who don't do anything, they don't get bit. It's only people who are busy making the sticks and getting the sticks are the ones that get bit. You see, when he started to get the fire going and started putting the, uh, the wood on the fire, he got bit. You see, he got bit because he added sticks to the fire. You see, the snake bite was on the hand that fed the fire. I'm going to say that again. The hand that was snake bitten was the hand that fed the fire. And people who feed the fire are going to get bit. People who are excited about God and serving the church are going to get bit. People who are out in the front and willing to get their hands dirty and willing to do whatever, willing to witness, willing to serve, willing to do, they're going to get bit. They're going to get bit. And as soon as your hands become busy for Christ, vipers are going to bite you. See? People who are out front tend to get snake bit first. You see, Jesus called the Pharisees, you generation of vipers. Jesus called the Pharisees out and said, you're a bunch of snakes. You know why they were a bunch of snakes? They were always biting other people who were serving. Jesus, don't do that. It's, it's the Sabbath. Don't heal that person. Don't do that. They were like vipers, always biting him. You see, the hand that feeds the fire is the hand that will get bit. The hand that serves is the hand that will be bit. If you have served in any capacity of the church, I promise you, you've gotten bit before. Because vipers always bite the hand that serves. See, why do vipers come out? Why do they come out? I found out something about snakes. 
snakes can't stand the fire. So anytime there's heat around, it will draw snakes out. So when he was making the fire, and he was putting the sticks on the fire, the snake came out. Guess what? Anytime the Lord starts to work in this church, and there's a fire begin to start to be kindled, I promise you, there's going to be some snakes come in the front door. There's going to be snakes in the back door. Come on, somebody. There's going to be some snakes, whether that's issues or whether that's people or whether that's problems. There is going to be issues when the fire gets started. Did y'all just hear what I just said? I said, when there's the fire... When the fire is started, there's going to be issues. If you're expecting a church without any problems, please let me know where that church is at. Can you please have a meeting with me after church? Because I would love to know, and I would love to shake that pastor's hand, and, and I would just love to give him a love offering and, and just tell him how much I appreciate him for pastoring the world's perfect church. You ain't going to find one. Because you know why there's no perfect church? Because you ain't perfect. That's why there's no perfect church. But the hand that feeds the fire is the hand that's going to be bit. When the fire starts to be kindled, there's going to be snakes out. You say, well, pastor, what's wrong in my life? It could be you're just fame, flaming the fire in your life. You're just getting more dedicated about Jesus. You're reading the Word more. You've made a decision that Jesus comes number one. And when you do that, I promise you, some snakes is going to come out somewhere. So, vipers will sting apostles and apostates. See, we have to be very careful as you're Blaming the fire. But you don't get discouraged. Now listen, in closing, listen to this. Chapter 27, Paul experienced a storm. Chapter 28, he experienced a snake bite. He had one storm right after another. He was shipwrecked and lost everything he had because they didn't listen to the Lord. Now get this. In this story, don't lose me, in this story, you have an example of two types of storms. Chapter 27 was a storm they created. They messed up. If they would have listened to Paul, they would have never been shipwrecked. They created the storm. They could have stayed home and not been shipwrecked. That was a storm they created. But chapter 28 was a, was a snake bite. They had nothing to do with that. So that tells me that sometimes in life, there are storms that you create, that you cause, and then there are other things that happens that you have no idea how it happened or why it happened. It is just a part of life. And you've got to learn to distinguish what type of storm am I in? Did I create the storm? Did I not listen to wise counsel? Was my heart wrong? Was my attitude wrong? Or was it a snake bite? I had no control over that. I was doing something good. I was making a fire. I was doing something good out of the kindness of my heart and I was still bitten. You have no control over that. So it's either a storm that you're in or you're facing a snake bite. What are you facing? Are you facing a storm or is it a snake bite that you didn't cause it? You were just doing something good. See, what did Paul do with the snake? It latched its 
hand, or he latched his mouth on his hand. And the Bible says in verse number Verse number 3, Acts 20, verse number 3, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand, because that's what happens when the heat is on. Vipers will come out. Verse 4, And so when the natives saw that the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom he's escaped from the sea and justice does not prevail him to live. Listen to Pastor Josh. When you are snake bitten by people, the number one thing that people will accuse you of is that you did something wrong. The reason that you were snake bitten is because you did something wrong. And listen to Pastor Josh. Just because you were snake bitten doesn't mean you did something wrong. It doesn't mean that you have sin in your life. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. Sometimes snakes bite because you are serving and you are adding fuel to the fire. Sometimes you are just honestly snake bitten because you did the right thing. And people right here started to accuse Paul that he's a murderer. Because that's what people do. People will tell themselves their own story. So what did he do? Verse 5, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. You know what the word of the Lord is to you? No matter who's trying to bite you, or no matter what issue's trying to bite you, just shake it off. Just shake it off. You're discouraged today? Shake it off. You want to quit? Shake it off. You want to blame God? You better shake it off. Come on, somebody. You want to give up and quit serving? Go ahead and shake it off. Shake away the prayerlessness. Shake away the lukewarmness. Shake away the apathy and get by the fire and let the fire of the Holy Spirit warm you back up again. Shake it off. you got to shake some things off in your life. But some people like that snake hanging on their hand because it's a trophy, isn't it? Look how bad I was bitten. Look how long this snake is, church. This snake is a long thing. And you know what we'll do? We'll go years remembering how big that snake was. Because we want the pity party. The word of the Lord is to you, quit your pity partying, get over it, shake the snake off. There's more to live than what you're focusing. Shake it off. Shake that creature off. The Bible says, verse number 5, and he suffered no harm. See? <laughs> because that's how God does. When He brings you through the storm, He brings you through the snake bite, Come on, somebody. You're not even going to smell like smoke. The Hebrew boys, when they came through the fiery furnace, they didn't even smell like they've ever been through anything because the fourth man was in life's fiery furnace. When God brings you through something, you're not even going to suffer any harm and you're not even going to have any smell of smoke on you. Hallelujah! And he suffered no harm. He shook it off. Listen, you have nothing to lose because you're not going to suffer no harm. Shake it off. What can we learn from this story? We learn from this story that the natives, the barbarians, the world, number one, should never outdo you in unusual kindness.
you should outdo the world in unusual kindness. What does it teach us? It teaches us that picking up sticks is just as important as standing before Caesar. Because that's where Paul was going to. It teaches us that people who really serve and add the wood to the fire and they're serving are usually the ones that get bit first. The story teaches us that people will always come to conclusions of why you are bit. The story teaches us that there's two types of storms. There is the storm of chapter 27 that you could have avoided. But then the snake bite of chapter 28 wasn't caused by anything they did. They were just doing something good. Paul was doing something good. And sometimes you're snake bit even when you are serving other people. Lastly, it teaches us you've got to learn to shake some things off in your life. No matter how big the snake is, no matter how many times it bit you, you've got to learn to shake that thing off. You've got to make practice at it. But I promise you, if you keep shaking it, it's going to come up. Is it easy? Nobody said it was easy. Does it hurt? Of course it hurts. A snake bite will always hurt. Do you need prayer? Of course. Do you need people around you? Of course. Do you need to feel love and acceptance? Yes. But don't continue to allow the snake to be fastened to your hand. Learn to shake it off. And I promise you it teaches us that when you do it, you're not going to suffer any harm. You're going to come through it. As James tells us, that the trying of our faith produces in us that we would be perfect, entire, and wanting 